How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys Alex and Ryan. Today we're discussing Glaber Torres finalizing his new one-year contract, avoiding arbitration, and Jerickson Profar in left field and kind of how he's pricing himself out of the Yankees' range, you know, talking about the current salary situation for the Yankees. Um, they're really close to that Steve Cohen luxury tax threshold at $293 million, so they really can't afford to do anything unless they offload some contracts. Right now, we're kind of in this weird, like, purgatory state where we don't really know what's happening, what's going on. There's nothing really happening at all. And there's not much news, so we're getting really close to spring training. We're really excited to see how things start to unfold there, especially in the infield. And, you know, I wonder if they kind of have Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman going at it, you know, for that fifth option um, to supplement the loss of Frankie Montas, who's probably going to miss four or five starts. But I want to start with Gleyber Torres, you know, his kind of situation, why he wanted a little bit of extra money and, you know, didn't really want to settle immediately with the Yankees and kind of dragged it out a little bit longer to get the best deal possible because ultimately um, when you're looking at the Yankees right now, they have no money and they or they, they have money. They just don't want to spend more than a certain amount, which they're really close to going over. And Gleyber Torres was almost traded last summer and he's like, I want every penny I'm worth then. I'm going to get every single penny because, you know, the cards look like Torres is fine for now, but it looks like he might be traded at the deadline depending on how Anthony Volpe looks when he gets called up to the major league level. But, you know, Ryan, when we're looking at Gleyber Torres, he settles on a one-year $9.95 million deal, just shy of $10 million, bounce back season. He's well worth that amount of money to be, you know, I think MLB listed him as a top 10 second baseman a couple days ago. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that contract and do you think it's worthwhile and do you think he's worth that much money in general? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the way I view Glaber Torres is that he's going to give you good offense. He's going to play strong defense at second base. You know, that is, well, I think the $9.95 million, $9 million price tag, considering he's in year two of arbitration or he's in his second to last year of arbitration, um, makes all sense in the world. As you mentioned, uh, Anthony Volpe can definitely accelerate the clock as to, um, you know, how long Glaber Torres will be here. I've talked about this before, but it, it's completely possible that Glaber Torres, you know, goes out there and, you know, has a really solid start to the year. But Volpe uh, is just able to outperform him outperform him and you know you're in a situation where you need an outfielder you need a different position group and you can move Glaber for that player and you can move him to a contender right because quite frankly Glaber Torres is a player that would help you on a contending team um you know I don't view this to say that I want Glaber Torres traded or that I want Glaber Torres gone or anything like that I'm not one of those people who don't like doesn't like Glaber Torres doesn't want him traded but there are definitely questions about his long-term future with the team with the amount of infield prospects they have and how many of them are major league ready you know not discussed and this is Trey Sweeney who is already in double a right if he has a big year next year, he's already in the 2024 plans. You know, um, obviously the emergence of Anthony Volpe and, and Oswald Peraza's prospects back in 2021 clearly changed the Yankees' uh, perspective on the shortstop and second base position. And then they still have guys in their contract like DJ LeMahieu who will be here at least in the next three years. I believe he also has 10 to five rights. So um, you know, it's not like the Yankees can just upend and move him where, whenever they please. Um, so when we're looking at this roster, we're looking at this team, we're looking at what uh, you know how Glibertores fits into everything. Glaber Torres is worth that money. He's this team's starting second baseman. I hope that remains the case until we see Anthony Volpe. Um, but quite frankly, you know, you I don't think anything crazy happened in this arbitration. I don't think he got like grossly overpaid or anything. It's, you know, he's a really good player and he's going to get some pretty good money. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've talked about Gleyber Torres extensively at this point in time, you know, ranging from should we trade him? Why shouldn't we trade him? You know, what his projected role seems to be. Um, I think he has a cemented job at second base for the time being. You know, we discussed Anthony Volpe, um, you know, a lot in the last episode. And ultimately, we both think that Volpe is going to spend the first couple of weeks, if not, you know, first two months until maybe June with AAA Scranton, getting his bat underneath him, you know, just really getting um, more experience and reps so that way he can translate a lot more efficiently to the major league level. Now, you know, Kyle Agashioka came out and actually said some really great stuff uh, this over the weekend, courtesy of Brendan Cuddy of The Athletic, um, regarding Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera, saying that they're both, like, super calm, and they both came in and made an instant impact in the way that they go about themselves. They're so confident, and that was really nice to see because, you know, you look at what Peraza did, gets called up, hits, like, 300 with a 40% on base rate, you know, sample size was small, 57 plate appearances, 18 games. So, you know, that those numbers will decrease. You know, it's just a matter of time and uh, over a larger sample size. He's actually only projected to play 66 games. But if he wins that starting shortstop job, I think he's going to play 100-plus games and hit double-digit homers with ease. Um, Volpe could do something similar depending on when they call him up. But Torres, for the time being, $10 million for a, for a player of his quality, you know, coming off a pretty solid 2022 campaign, hopefully can continue compounding on that success, is definitely a good thing. And... You know, looking over at the financial implications of that contract, you know, the nine point nine nine five million, uh, and he wanted like ten point two million. They ended up saving two hundred and fifty k. That goes a long way when you're this close to the third luxury tax threshold, right? Like we're really close. We're two three million dollars away. That two hundred fifty k ends up being pretty important, especially if we want to bring on some guys, um, you know, just to compete over spring training, whatever it might be. So, you know, they, it is a valuable number, even though it doesn't seem like a lot uh, when you're this close to, to that luxury tax threshold, you know, every dollar counts. But, you know, that leads me to Jerickson Profar in left field, who really wants a deal upward of $7.5 million. He turned down the player option at $7.5 million to stay with the San Diego Padres. Doesn't seem like anyone been, is, has been willing or will be willing to give him more than that unless an injury occurs. He might. If I was to guess, I think that he's probably going to wait until spring training. Like People know what he offers. He's 29 years old. You know He has uh, enough sample size to say, okay, we don't need to see him in spring training. He can walk in and immediately fill a left field or outfield position for you. Um, is he a great outfielder? No. He had two defensive runs saved and negative five outs above average last year. Um, ranks in like the 32nd percentile in, you know, outfielder jump and sprint speed is similar to that range. His arm is in the 67th percentile, so that's kind of the one saving grace. Um, but, you know, as a hitter, switch hitting bat, you know, has some a little bit of power, not, not much. He can hit double-digit homers. Maybe he hits 20 homers for the Yankees if he plays on an everyday basis, if they don't go platoon in left field. But if he wants $8 million over a multi-year contract, the Yankees are not going to give him that. We're probably looking at like a one-year six or seven million deals, probably what the Yankees would want to sign him at. But even right now, the Yankees can't afford that. They're still going to have to offload Donaldson or Hicks or, you know, just take on a portion of the contract and manage to just offload a little bit of money so they can bring in a guy like Profar. Um, you know, I guess, Ryan, right now, it doesn't seem like they're going to be going anything that's going to push them over that luxury tax threshold, meaning that Profar is unrealistic. Um, you know, there have been rumors about guys like David Peralta, and they've been linked to him, probably in a much cheaper deal. But right now, based on the financial implications of, you know, what the Yankees are currently facing, in my opinion, I think they're just going to roll with Hicks and probably Oswaldo Cabrera. What are your thoughts on that and kind of, you know, Jerks and Profar pricing himself out, which makes sense given the fact that the market has been so, um, you know, exciting for other free agents and he just hasn't been able to cash in just yet. Yeah, I think we've reached a point of the offseason where the Yankees are going to have to get creative at left field. Uh, as you mentioned with Profar, you know, um, you kind of hope he falls into your price range. If he doesn't, oh well. Um, I, I'm buying into this idea of, you know, hoping that, 
a guy like Aaron Hicks is able to be in a platoon situation, right? Um, I, I've tweeted about this before. Uh, Aaron Hicks is significantly better from the right-handed side than he is from the left-handed side, not just talking about raw results. Like, he's been an above-average hitter in terms of WRC plus on the right-handed side over the last three years, but from the left-handed side, he's consistently been below average. I'm talking about raw power. I'm talking about just, like, the ability to actually hit the baseball, right? You know, um, a big problem with Aaron Hicks post-wrist surgery has been a, just a weird, not a weird, I guess you can explain it because of the wrist surgery, but just a dramatic drop-off in his power output. He's not able to generate slugging percentages or isolated power rates at the level you really expected Aaron Hicks to, considering two factors. Number one, he's a switch hitter, so you expect that right field porch to help him. And number two, he's shown off the ability to hit for power before, so it was a, it's definitely a dramatic drop-off. It's, it's a sign of regression, right? Uh, from the right-handed side, he's able to hit the ball considerably hard, harder. You know, he has uh, an average exit velocity of 91.6 miles an hour since 2012. 21 from the right-handed side. That's 86.3 from the left-handed side. His max exit velocity of 109.6 miles an hour, I believe it is, that came as a right-handed hitter. He has more batted balls from the right-handed side over 107 miles an hour than compared to his left-handed side, despite the fact that he plays from his left-handed side more often because there's more right-handed pitchers in the league than left-handed pitchers. Aaron Hicks is someone who hits right-handed pitching pretty hard. His approach is different. He's a little more aggressive. He cares more about, you know, hitting for power from that side. Uh, I think that could actually help Aaron Hicks. You know, he's an above-average defender still he's an above average base runner you hit him ninth against a left-handed pitcher and or you hit him eighth against a left-handed pitcher i think you're gonna feel pretty good about what you're getting you're gonna get like a 105 wrc plus maybe 110 right and, and then you you get someone who can hit right-handed pitching right so you know hicks is probably that secondary guy you know Cabrera still plays in utility role. I put that in quotation marks because I imagine he'll still be playing every single day or close to every single day, just at a variety of different positions. And then you get that left-handed bat who can hit right-handed pitching and suddenly have a pretty good platoon. If you get a roughly a 105 to 110 WRC plus from left field with strong defense, right? Um, that's an absolute success for the Yankees. You know, you're, you're going to be, you know, Pereira is a guy who's already on the 40-man roster. Uh, I think he's a sleeper pick to get some reps at the major league level next year. And then worst case scenario, you just trade for a left fielder at the deadline. There are always corner outfielders available, especially from the left-handed side. So uh, the way I view it is this team can platoon in left field, get away with it for half a year or even a full year if they really want to. Uh, and as young guys come up or as the trade deadline approaches, they can reassess the position. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be very surprised if the Yankees took this method um, or strategy to you know fill left field as I don't necessarily want Cabrera to be the starting left fielder. I'd rather have him be that super utility man. Um, I don't trust Hicks, so I could see the Yankees bringing up Anthony Volpe in June, letting him get some reps. If he performs well, then you look to trade Gleyber Torres because you don't need you don't need Torres at that point. If if Volpe's looking good, you know he's getting some reps in second base. He's filling in when Torres gets a day off. Uh, maybe he's just kind of you know plugging shortstop. You know they're moving around pieces, trying to figure out what the right combination is going to be. And you know if, if Volpe looks good. Torres becomes expendable, and if Torres becomes expendable, you can definitely trade him for a left fielder that's, you know, maybe, I don't know what the value would look like at that point, depends how Torres is performing, but I would not be surprised if Volpe gets called up and Torres gets traded for a left fielder to compete or start right away if Aaron Hicks is struggling and, and they like Cabrera more in the utility role. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, you know, uh, again, I think Glaber Torres as a trade chip at the deadline is definitely something we're going to explore more kind of as we get closer to the deadline. There's also the reality that Volpe isn't ready in the Yankees, or he, he gets ready a little too late past the deadline. So you kind of, I don't want to make it, I'm making it seem like it's a burden that you have to keep Glaber Torres, but you would have to keep Glaber Torres in that regard because again, this team's objective is to win the World Series, right? I think Anthony Volpe starting over Glaber Torres comes second to the Yankees winning the World Series, right? That's just... Like, I don't, I don't think I have to say that even. Um, 
But absolutely, if Volpe comes up and he, he forces himself into a starting role, um, Glaber Torres becomes kind of an attractive trade piece for a lot of teams looking to add an infielder because those aren't very common at the deadline. You don't see, you know, uh, controllable second basemen who are young and kind of in the middle of their prime uh, become available, especially when you're looking at a contending team like the Yankees where you don't expect them to sell. That really wouldn't be selling. I think, as you said, it'd be trading a need, trading a surplus for a need. Uh, and that could definitely get interesting, this trade deadline. But again, a lot that a lot of that depends on performance performance and we can't we can project but we can't necessarily know until we know yeah, I think that's very fair. But guys, that kind of wraps up this episode discussing Glaber Torres, Jerson Profar, this left field position. You know, we've kind of talked about this a lot, and we just want something else to discuss. So we'll be here with you guys until that day comes, which seems to be about two weeks from now, maybe a little bit sooner as things, uh, you know, just start to ease through the cracks and, you know, get to see an idea of what the Yankees plan to do for spring training. So we are very excited for that day to come, and it's coming very fast. And, you know, we got you guys covered with the daily news, as always, my friends. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, like as always, for the season ahead we got so much great content coming out and we don't want you guys to miss it so as always have a fantastic rest of your day catch you guys on the next fireside yankees episode